All right, well, uh, uh, by the way, I just want, I just want to thank you guys, uh, the transit, um, for, for just welcoming me and my family. Uh, these nine months have just been uh, just remarkable. Jen and I really love it here. We love you guys, and so thank you for just um, showing us the love of Christ with how you've, you've loved us and reached out to us. So we're really happy to be here. Today's a really awesome day for, for us and our family. So this morning we're going to be uh, continuing our series on the life of Jacob, Lessons uh, in Faith and Grace. We're going to be looking at Genesis 28, uh, 10 through, verses 10 through 22. So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 28. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in uh, the center aisle. And as you guys are flipping to Genesis 8, or 28, sorry, I want to share a story from my childhood that is uh, kind of shockingly similar to where we find ourselves in our passage today. So if you know me, you know my family, you know that I have a younger brother named Jake, or Jacob, for the sake of this illustration. Um, he's, uh, he's five years, uh, five years younger than me, and our, and our childhood uh, was defined by conflict. Uh, we fought uh, around the clock. We were probably more at war with each other than we were at peace. I mean, we, we loved each other, but we just were kind of verbal altercations were turned into physical altercations like all the time. But see, we, me and my brother, we had these, these unspoken, unwritten uh, rules of engagement. So I don't know if you followed your siblings growing up, but there were some, some lines you didn't cross. And so for my brother and I, the, the unspoken rule of engagement was this, no touching of the hair and face. Uh, it was pretty plain and simple. Like we're gonna we're gonna punch each other in the arm as hard as we can in the leg, but at no point were we going to pull hair or, or punch each other in the face. Well, there's a moment uh, one day in our childhood where um, I have no idea how this started, but uh, probably started like all our other fights. But I was uh, lying on my back on uh, the couch, and my brother was on top of me. And all I remember is that he was just insane with anger. And, and the angrier he got, he would, he would hit me in the arm. And it was almost like him pushing a button to cause me to laugh. So, so he, would, he would hit me, and I would just keep laughing, like, right in his face. And the more I laughed, the angrier he got. And this kept going until, until my brother snapped. And out, of, and out of nowhere, he stopped punching my, my arm, and he, uh, out of nowhere, came and clocked me, not in the chin, not in the nose, but square in the forehead with... <laughs> with everything he had. And all of a sudden, there's this moment where, where we just both realized, oh my gosh, this is the first time the rules of engagement were, were breached. And, and we knew what those rules of engagement were, but we didn't know what the punishment was for breaching those. But what we both knew in that moment was I was about to enact whatever that punishment was <laughs> upon him. And so before I could, uh, mind you, my brother is barefoot, and he's, I got five years on him. Uh, before I could get uh, you know, to enact those punishments, he is barefoot, running like a two-minute mile, out the house, up the driveway, westbound Scott Drive. I mean, I think it was the hand of God carrying him uh, westbound on Scott Drive. Because I was, I mean, my laughter quickly turned to blind rage. And it was like cherry to fire. I mean, it must have been a sight to see uh, from, the, from the neighbor's perspective. And I, I just could not catch him for the life of me. I was like, he doesn't have shoes on. I got fight, and I couldn't, I couldn't catch him to this day. Um, I, I still am amazed I couldn't catch him. But... Uh, long story short, I haven't seen my brother to this day. Uh, I think he's still running um, on, uh, on Scott <laughs> Just kidding. Basically, I stopped running because I couldn't catch him. And then I, I said something like a classic 80s bully line. Like, yeah, you better run and don't you come back, you know? Um, and so he came back, I think, like maybe two, five, ten hours later. So I don't know. But uh, anyways, the reason I share that is where we find ourselves in uh, the narrative uh, in the life of Jacob today is that we encounter a younger brother named Jacob, full flight, full sprint away from his older brother, 
who wants to kill him, literally wants to kill him. So if you were here last week, uh, Pastor Jeff unpacked um, just the family dysfunction, man, the dysfunction that, that really just kind of defined Jacob and Esau's family, uh, starting from their parents down to uh, their sibling rivalry. And so what we looked at last week is Esau literally made a promise, made a vow. And he said, once my father Isaac passes away, I'm going to make sure that somebody else passes away. His name is Jacob, and he's going to be toast. And I'm a skilled hunter, so you know I'm going to make sure that happens. And Rebecca, the mom, caught wind of that, lets Jacob know. It's like, hey, by the way, um, your brother's going to kill you, so you might need to leave. And uh, so both Isaac, what we looked at last week is both Isaac and Rebecca told Jacob, hey, run for your life uh, and go t- up to Haran, go up to uh, your grandfather's uh, family is still up there and find yourself a, a wife and-, and save your life. So two positives, like you're, gonna, you're not going to die and you're going to find a-, a good woman. So, so that's where we're at in the narrative uh, this morning. But before we dive in, let me, uh, let me go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you are of your, our, our deliverer, Father, that you are uh, God Emmanuel, you are God with us and that you're present with us this morning. Lord, we thank you for that promise. We thank you for that truth, Lord. I pray this morning, God, that you, uh, you would speak, you would, you would move in power, Lord, that lives would be changed here. Spirit, you'd soften our hearts to hear your voice, to hear what you're saying. Lord, anoint my mouth with your words. May anything I say be forgotten, but everything you say be remembered. And may you ultimately increase, and may I decrease up here. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, hey, this passage uh, breaks up into three sections. So the first thing we're going to look at is Jacob's flight, and then Jacob's dream, and then lastly, Jacob's response to this epic dream that he has. So the first uh, thing we're looking at is Jacob's flight, verses uh, 10 through 11. And uh, we're not going to read this out loud together. We're going to just kind of journey through this text together. Verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had said, and taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. So our man Jacob here, he is on a road trip. He is leaving southern Israel, his hometown, and he's going northbound on foot all the way to Haran to go check out, you know, Abraham's crew is still up there. His grandfather's family is still up there. That's an over, that's modern day Turkey, by the way. So that's an over 500 mile journey uh, that Jacob is embarking. Uh, and this is before Expedia, uh, you know, you can book a, you know, a, a rental car and planes and all that jazz. Jacob doesn't have any access to that, believe it or not. Um, but he's, he's traveling. And the reason for this journey, as we talked about, is he's literally, uh, he's literally running from his past life, his past sins, his past mistakes. And what lies in Haran is, is a hope of a better future. And so he's in full flight, man. He's, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, uh, not die, which is good. And I'm going to find myself a good woman. And, and what's interesting about that piece there is that if you know the story of Jacob, here's kind of a spoiler alert. He's literally running from a crazy brother, but he's running into the arms of his crazy uncle, Laban, right? And so uh, what's also interesting here is I think Jacob, you know, as he's embarking on this road trip, and we're going to kind of look at this a little bit, he's going to have lots of time to think. I think uh, 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 Jacob here uh, uh, might have been thinking about, hey, you know what? My past life, I'm going to leave that behind me. I'm going to leave my old ways behind me, and I'm going to stop being deceptive. I'm going to stop being manipulative once I get to Haran, right? I think Jacob might have, maybe, maybe he thought that. Maybe he thought, you know what? My character is going to change once I get to this new location. I think there's a lesson there for us because I think we tend to believe the same 
the same thing. I think the lesson, the first lesson, our series is entitled Lessons of Faith and Grace. So we're kind of gleaning lessons from the story of Jacob. And, I, and this is the first lesson that stuck out to me as I was preparing for this. A change in geography doesn't necessarily mean a change in your godliness. And I think, I think Jacob, once he got to, when he, you know, when he was on his way to Iran, was like, you know, once I get there, man, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm going to be a new Jacob. I'm going to start a new life. Everything's going to be different once I get there. And see, the, the problem Jacob had is the problem we all have. And see, wherever Jacob went, there he was. There he was. And, and we, if you know the story, Jacob continued to deceive, continued to manipulate. There's just as much chaos down in Beersheba as there was waiting for him in Haran. And a lot of it was his own doing. And so if you're, if you're here today and, and you're kind of believing some lies similar to that, like, oh, hey, once, you know, once I get that new job, then I'm going to start being generous with my money. Then I'll start tithing. Or, hey, you know what? Once I get married, that'll be the antidote to all of my sins that I'm wrestling with right now, right? We believe that lie or, or even something like, like, yeah, once I go on that overseas missions trip, then, then my faith's going to be real. Then I'm going to start living radically. Then I'm going to start sharing my faith once I get there. And my challenge for us this morning, my friends, if it's not, if, if, if your faith isn't real right here, right now, it's not going to be real sometime over there and later. It's just not. And I think Jacob potentially could have been wrestling with that false hope that Haran's going to be different, and, and, and it wasn't. Apart from the grace of God intervening in his life, which we're going to look at now, uh, we're going to see that, uh, that, that Jacob, yeah, didn't change his ways once he got to Haran. And so the, the narrative continues. And so where we're at now, uh, as this passage has shown us, these past two verses, Jacob's on this journey, uh, a night's about to, to fall on him, and he needs a, a place uh, to rest his head. And I think he forgot to, to book a reservation through Expedia because um, <laughs> he's sleeping literally under the stars and uh, using a rock as a pillow. And so if you've been here previously, you know that Jake was, Jacob was kind of like a, a tent dweller, didn't get out much, was kind of more homeward in its orientation, kind of knew this whole wilderness thing. And I think we're starting to see that uh, given his uh, choices of sleeping arrangements and pillows. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's important for us to put ourselves in Jacob's shoes in this moment. Okay, so night is, is falling and now he's finally left alone with his thoughts. And I know for a lot of us, the scariest place to be is silence, left alone with our thoughts and the voice of God, that's why a lot of us busy ourselves so much. We drown out the voice of the Lord and the voice of our own thoughts with music, with podcasts or whatever, because that's a scary place to be. And if you've been camping before, you know that I think one of the first things that Jacob might be wrestling with here is fear, right? If you've been camping before and once night comes and all of a sudden you hear stuff in the woods, it's scary. You hear, you hear you know, the animals, the elements, that, that might be what Jacob's wrestling with as far as fear goes. And I think also Jacob, I mean, we can, we can resonate with Jacob here when it comes to fear as far as camping goes, but I don't know if any of us has literally had uh, uh, an immediate member of our family vow to kill us before, right? And so, and so that's where Jacob is at. I mean, he's, he's literally looking up at the stars and wondering if his, his skilled hunter Esau brother is in the woods with, you know, bow drawn, just waiting for him to close his eyes. And I think Esau, uh, uh, I mean, Jacob might be wrestling with fear. I think Jacob in this moment might be wrestling with guilt and shame because he is in a very vulnerable spot where he's at right now. And, and, and the reason Jacob is in uh, uh, this spot right now under the stars, outside of tents, leaving home, leaving what's comfortable, what's, what's familiar, leaving his family is because of his sin. This is direct consequences of bad choices he's made. And I think he might be wrestling with guilt, like, oh, Jacob, you did it again. What a fool, man. You stole from your brother. You stole from him, you scoundrel. 
Why do you keep doing this time and time again? Now look at where you're at. Now look at where you're at. So I think he's wrestling with fear. I think he might be wrestling with guilt. And I think he, he honestly, he might be, be wrestling with some neck pain because he's using a rock as a pillow. Um, so you, you factor all those in. And, uh, and the reason I share all that is um, this is important. This is important. Is that it's in this moment where he's reaping what he's sown. He, he's under the consequences of his sin. He's in a very vulnerable spot. He's literally a, a sinful fugitive on the run. And it's in that moment that God, in his beautiful grace for Jacob, speaks to him and reveals his presence and his promise for Jacob. It's in that moment that he does it. When Jacob is a fugitive on the run, uh, bearing the full consequences of sin, that boom, God shows up in power. So we see Jacob's flight here. And then next up, we see Jacob's dream, verses 12 through 15. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. My friends, that's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. And what God gives Jacob here, sorry, one second. I've been wrestling with a sinus cold, as you can probably tell in my voice all week. So hopefully my voice doesn't go out. But um, what God reveals to Jacob in this dream is first he gives him an image, a vision, kind of an illustration. And then I think the second half of this dream is, 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 is God unpacks the implications of that image via his promise. So we got an illustration and then the explanation of that stairway imagery. And so the first thing is, is the illustration of this dream, this image God gives to Jacob. And instead of a Jacob's ladder imagery here, I think what's more appropriate for the context is a stairway to heaven imagery for, for my Zeppelin fans out there. Um, and, and, the, and the reason for this is in ancient Near Eastern culture, they would build these things, these temples called ziggurats. It was a series of stairways leading up to a, a, a temple where they believed their gods, their deities, Dwelled. And the example we have of that in the Bible is the Tower of Babel. That's what they were building. It was saying, uh, if you guys remember the story, the people of the earth came together. It was, it was a man, man, their, their goal there was mankind was going to ascend up to God through their hard work. They're going to build this stairway brick by brick, step by step. They're going to build this awesome stairway up to the heavens. And because of their awesomeness and their hard work, they're going to make a name for themselves and they're going to reach heaven. And God kind of looked down. He, he contemned that construction project. I think there were some building code violations. Um, and if you know this story, he kind of confused their, their language and, and scattered the people. And um, the reason I, I share that is because in contrast to a ziggurat, in, in contrast to the Tower of Babel, the stairway that God reveals to Jacob is phenomenally different. See, Tower of Babel originated in the mind of man, Right? It, it, was, it was mankind's initiative. It was, it was our hard work. It was our drive, our labor that we would ascend to God with, with Jacob's ladder here. We see it was, it was God's idea. The Lord stood above it, man. That was his ladder. It's not Jacob's ladder. That's, that's the Lord's stairway. Jacob didn't, hey, by the way, Jacob didn't uh, step a foot on that ladder. Didn't step a foot. And that's huge. That's huge. Because he had no need to, my friends. He had no need to. That ladder was there so that the Lord, through his angelic messengers, would, would descend 
to Jacob. It's all grace. And here's the deal as well. Tower of Babel was never finished. This was a fully funded, fully finished stairway. Jacob didn't have to lay any bricks in this dream, didn't have to pull out his wallet and be like, oh, let me contribute or invest in this stairway. No, it, was, it showed up and, and it was fully finished. Fully finished. And so, so much so that Jacob didn't even have to step a foot on that. And the reason I share that is this, and the reason that's important is because I think you and I, we have a Tower of Babel mindset. Because of the desire of our heart, uh, our heart's deepest longing is to have access to God. It's to know God, to, to have intimacy, uh, community, f- fellowship with our Creator. We're hardwired for that. You've got to believe that to be true. But where we go wrong is we have a Tower of Babel mindset, where, where, and this creates two kinds of people, where we believe our lives are a construction project. That we are literally building a stairway, ascending up to God. And we all, we all kind of, whether we believe the gospel or not through our actions, we all kind of have a tendency to behave this way and to, and to think this way. Where, oh, I did something really good today. Uh, I had my quiet time. I went to church. Uh, I, I tithe. I, you know, uh, whatever it was. I didn't, when that song on the radio came on, I, I turned on 91.9. You know, I'm, I'm a good Christian. And so we, we add a brick. We do something good, add a brick. Do something good, add a brick. Step on it. Look, God, God's happy with me. I'm closer to God right? And my friends, this is so dangerous. And here's why. This is so dangerous. Because the further you think you get up that ladder, the more you can look down on everyone who's not as awesome as you are. And this thinking creates very self-righteous, prideful people. And it is it is dangerous. We say, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Why can't everyone just be like me? Look at my staircase. Look at this construction project. Look at all these bricks that with my hard work, with my awesomeness, I put down. Therefore, the Lord has to accept me. He's in my favor now. Boom, I'm awesome, right? Uh, but there's a flip side to that as well, right? Where, where for the person who, who not only isn't laying any bricks because their life is, they're a mess, and Jacob might be in that situation, but they're having to dig you know, further away to, to add bricks further away so they can walk down uh, this staircase, that creates a second kind of person. Instead of a self-righteous or prideful person, it creates a very self-loathing person where you say, man, I messed up time and time again. I add a brick, but then I have to take 20 away for, for my actions, for my decisions. And, and look how far away I am from God. Look how far away I am from, from those people on, on top of the stairway. And, 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 and both of those types of people, both of those types of thinking, is just a form of pride because it's a focus on yourself. It's a focus on your own performance. And see, that's the danger of it, my friends. That's the danger of it. And the sad part is, is we as Christians believe this nonsense. We believe this nonsense. Oh, I messed up. God hates me. I'm further away from God. I got to take some steps down the ladder, you know, wipe those bricks away. Oh, I did good. Now God, you know, he's got to be in my favor. I'm awesome. And that's not how the gospel works at all. The cross of Jesus Christ completely levels the playing field. There is no staircase. There's, there's, there, we don't ascend up to God. He descends in his grace to us, to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Best news in the world. You know, you know how freeing that is? You know how freeing that is? Friends, stop building, stop building a staircase that's already finished. Stop trying to add bricks to, to, to a fully funded, a fully finished construction project or taking bricks away from, from a, a, a staircase you don't need to take bricks away from. It's not your own doing. It's someone else's performance. And that's... Um, the next lesson that I think we glean from, from this vision God gives Jacob is access to God is not based on your own performance, but by faith in another's performance. 
It's not, it's not, man, that is so free. That's the freedom the gospel brings. You got to believe that. You got to believe that. And so my challenge to you this morning, yeah, would just be, uh, man, Christian, what bricks do you keep trying to add? What rungs do you keep trying to add to your ladder? Let's stop playing that game. For every, for every focus you have on yourself, you need to, to look 10 times more to Jesus Christ and stop trying to take away from the work that he's done. It's finished. And the cross, he said, it is finished. Um, and so we see the illustration, and I think God unpacks. Uh, he gives this vision in his grace to Jacob, and then in his grace, he explains it in, in this way. He gives Jacob, I think, some awesome promises here. So verses 12 through 14, the Lord confirms his covenant with Jacob. He's pretty much saying, hey, Jacob, in case you forgot, uh, this awesome Abrahamic covenant that I gave, this promise that I gave to Abraham, your grandfather, and Isaac, your father now in my grace is going to pass through you. So I'm going to be the God of Abraham, I'm going to be the God of Isaac, and I'm going to be the God of Jacob. And uh, Jacob, just in case you forgot. And so that means, man, from literally Jacob, from your body, uh, uh, from your offspring, is going to come this great people this great nation, as many uh, stars in the sky, dust on the earth, and, and the land where you're lying uh, on that, that, that hard land and using a rock on a pillow, that's the land I'm going to give these people. And then lastly, this, this blessing that's going to bless all the nations of the world is going to come through your offspring, your lineage. And I don't know where you're at this morning as far as uh, uh, believing in uh, biblical prophecy, but this prophecy, I'm living proof that this prophecy has come true. I, uh, we are. The, the nations of the world, 4,000 years ago, this was written, this was given to Jacob. And now, fast forward 4,000 years in, in Alexandria, Virginia, not, not Alexandria, Egypt, but across the Atlantic, uh, uh, Nick Mudd has been, his life has been forever changed and blessed by the offspring that came through Jacob, Jesus Christ. This, this has come true. We are living proof of, of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Um, so that's the first, uh, I think, explanation is, is a reminder to Jacob, hey, Hey, here, here's the Abrahamic covenant. It's going to continue through you. You are now a patriarch where I'm going to reveal myself throughout scripture. It's got an Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, and not because of your performance, but because of my grace to you. And then verse 15, I think God really explains to Jacob the image he just showed him. And uh, he, uh, he explains three things to Jacob, his presence, his protection, and his providence, his, his sovereign rule over his life. And so look at verse 15. Uh, the Lord says, behold, I am with you. Behold, I am with you. Hey, Jacob, you see that? You see that stairway that you don't have to, you don't, you don't take a, you don't add a brick to it. You don't, you never, Jacob never takes a step on that, that ladder or that staircase. You see that? That means this. That means that I, wherever Jacob goes there, I am with you. I am present with you. I will be with you. Verse 15. And then next you see the Lord uh, remind him of his protection, his sovereign protection over his life. And he says in verse 15, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will keep you wherever you go. And, and what's beautiful is that throughout Scripture, uh, the Lord's presence is synonymous with his protection. So whenever you see the command throughout Scripture of, of, of fear not, fear not, what doesn't follow that is fear not, you're awesome, you're going to make it, it's going to be great for you because you're really cool. No, what happens is, is Scripture says fear not, and then the Lord reassures his people for I am with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you, God, are present with me. Presence and protection go hand in hand. Um, and so uh, I think the Lord in, in his grace is revealing to Jacob in a very fear. Jacob's in a fearful spot. I mean, literally, I, I've never had someone, it's even my, my brother, uh, vow to murder me. Uh, and that's where Jacob's at. 
and, and he's in a frightening spot, and the, and the Lord's like, hey, here's this, here's this, this image, and here's the explanation. It means that forever now, this stairway, this staircase means that I'm present with you. My presence means protection. I'm going to keep you where I go. And lastly, it means that uh, uh, I'm going to have sovereign rule and reign over your life. And all of that means, and he says this in verse 15, I will bring you back to this land. That Jacob, you can plan. Jacob, you can scheme. You can do uh, all these things that you want. But at the end of the day, I'm going to lead. I'm going to guide. I'm going to direct your life. And, that's, and I think for us, Here's the lesson that we have for us is that these promises, these last three promises given to Jacob are promises that are true for the, the present day believer today. These are true for the, these are, these are uh, blood uh, bought promises for the believer, for you and I today through the work of Jesus Christ. But the sad part is, my friends, is, is, uh, is we often don't believe this. We don't believe these promises. See, what we tend to believe, uh, we tend to, this is what happens. We tend to look at our circumstances and let our circumstances tell us lies about God and his presence and his protection and his guidance in our lives. And see, Jacob was in a similar spot, right? And so Jacob that night when he's wrestling with his thoughts could have been thinking, hey, Lord, these are my circumstances. I'm literally homeless right now. Uh, someone's vowed to kill me. My life is a mess. All, uh, everything my circumstance would show right now, what they would scream at me is that, God, you have abandoned me. You've abandoned me. You've left me to, to wander and die. And, and, and his circumstances, if Jake were to listen to his circumstances, he might have believed that. But it's in that moment that God says, hey, that's what your circumstances might say. But Jacob, here's this vision. Here's this dream. Here's this promise. I am present with you in this crisis. And so my challenge to you this morning is, what lies are you believing about your present circumstance that you find yourself in that are telling you lies about God? Telling you lies about God's presence in your life, His faithfulness, His 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 guiding sovereign hand over your life. Don't believe, man. We it's so easy to see the see uh, if we're in a difficult spot, whether it's a family crisis, a health crisis, whatever it, it is, and start and start uh, going to our circumstances to find out about God instead of instead of Scripture and His voice, and listen to what He has to say about um, His presence and uh, and protection in our lives. And so lastly, we see Jacob's response here in uh, verses 28, 16 through 22. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep, verse 16, and said, um, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so... Uh, Jacob realized that he just had a divine encounter with God. And throughout the Old Testament, when, you, when people have a divine encounter with God, usually their first response, and what Jacob's response here is awe and wonder. And, a, and listen, a true and proper fear to what he just encountered. And so it says in verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is that place? Afraid and awesome are the same verb. Afraid and awesome is the same verb. Uh, when he says how awesome, he's not like, oh, how radical, how tubular was that? This is awesome. He is saying, he's saying, I'm afraid of what just went down because that's a proper response to having an encounter with the living God. And, and then he says how awesome. And that verb in the Hebrew is in the passive form. So it's, it's literally how to be feared is this place. How to be honored. How to be held in high esteem. Is, is this place where God uh, and his grace was present with me, revealed his grace um, to me. And, and my friends, as we, 
There's this awesome book by Paul Tripp called Awe. It's just A-W-E. I highly recommend you read that uh, because anything Paul Tripp writes is amazing. Um, have I read it? No. Um, <laughs> but you could read it and then give me the gist. It'd be awesome. Um, but it was like 2016, Desiring God, like top 10. Um, it's, I'm going to read it eventually. But anyways, um, as we reflect on the majesty, you love that, right? A book, a book recommendation I haven't read yet. Um, uh, a majesty, the majesty, the greatness, the, 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 awesome, the awesomeness, the vastness of God. It should stir in his people a similar response. And so I was reminded of this. Uh, last week, my family uh, was on vacation in the Outer Banks. We got um, an oceanfront uh, property with my family, and the view was just spectacular. And so I was able to get some time alone with the Lord uh, on that trip, which is awesome. And so there's one morning I was on the, uh, the back deck and doing my thing, you know, in the Bible, in my journal, just oh, pouring over Scripture, which is awesome. We should, we should be doing that as Christians. But in that moment, I just felt, I just really kind of felt the Lord, like kind of like, it, it didn't literally tap me on the shoulder, but, but literally just kind of like, hey, hey, hey Nick, can, can you do me a favor for a second? Can, can you look up? Can you look up? You're, you're missing out on the show, bro. You're missing out on the show. And so, and so I, okay, I was like, okay, Lord, and you close my journal, close my Bible, and just looked at um, just the vastness of the ocean and, and the beauty that was before me and the, this, this great ball of fire in the sky that was glistening over the top of that water and just thinking of the, the beauty and, and the vastness of God's creation. And what the thought I had was, that's, that's pretty epic but, and pretty, pretty, pretty vast and pretty and big and, and, and powerful, but, but how much more so is the author of that? How much bigger uh, is, is our God than, than the vastness of the ocean, the vastness of the galaxies, the person that spoke that into existence? And that, that naturally causes a, a holy and humble fear, uh, uh, an appropriate fear uh, for, for reverence, for awe, for, for our Lord, for our God. I think Jacob here has an awesome response. Where I think we're, we're seeing here is, is Jacob starting to, by God's grace, starting to respond um, like, like we, you know, we should be pulling for Jacob. I think we're starting to see that transformation take place. Uh, verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Beth Ale. But the name of that city was Luz at first. And so I think what Jacob is doing here, he takes kind of his rock pillow and uh, he, he anoints it with oil. I think this was kind of a gift sacrifice. That, that Jacob, uh, uh, first he moves from awe, and then secondly, he moves to worship. And I think naturally, that is uh, the natural response for, for a divine encounter with God, a natural response that we have when we encounter God. We move from awe and wonder to, man, worship. I think that's what Jacob is doing here. It's kind of a gift sacrifice to show his love and devotion to God, and he's consecrating this spot as holy to God. So as far as responses go to this dream, uh, uh, Jacob is two for two, or two for three. Two for three. So awe is great. Worship is great. But I think the third response Jacob has to this dream is where he uh, uh, has good intentions, but I think we see some sinful tendencies come back up. So uh, verses 20 through 22, uh, following uh, his awe in worship. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my 
God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. So there's some debate on uh, Jacob's third response here. Uh, Some of the biblical scholars that I read were kind of 50-50. Some were like, oh, this is great, Uh, an appropriate vow, uh, uh, an appropriate response that Jacob has to God's covenant faithfulness to him. But the latter half kind of thought that this was Jacob uh, kind of bargaining with God. Like this was classic Jacob, and this vow is actually sinful, maybe good intentions, but wrong actions, or, you know, just just like, uh, anyways, but here's the deal. I, after study, I kind of fall into the latter half. And, and I think Jacob here um, is kind of two out of three for appropriate responses to that dream. And, and here's why. If you, if you look at his vow again, something that, that sticks out to me is this. As he says, and I'll paraphrase, if, if God will be with me, keep me, feed me, clothe me, then... He shall be the Lord, my God. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Jacob, did, did you say if? I, I, th- I think, I, I, think I, I missed the dream that, that you just had where, where, where God said, I am with you. I am your God. I am going to protect you. I am going to lead you. I am, I am going to guide I am the Lord, your God. What my promise to you, it wasn't a conditional statement. I think it's imperative for us to hit the rewind button, go back to the dream and to the promises that God gave to Jacob and listen I reread it, and, and there's no ifs in God's promise to Jacob. What God did not say to Jacob was, listen, if you, Jacob, stop being manipulative and stop acting kind of like a punk and deceiving everyone and, and stealing birthrights and, and everything you're doing, if you stop doing this, then I'll be present with you. Then I'll, I'll, uh, 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 I'll let these promises pass through you. If Jacob, you start getting your act together, then I'll be your God. That, that wasn't the promise of God. It was a lot of I am statements, and I will. But Jacob's promise back to God is, well, if God, you do this, then I'll do that. And I think what we're seeing is, uh, is kind of Jacob defaulting to, um, to, to sinful tendencies. Where, I mean, where did we see an if-then statement in the past was essentially the, the birthright, the bowl of stew, where it's like, hey, Esau, you know, um, if I give you this bowl of soup, then you got to give me your birthright. You know, bargaining, wheeling, wheeling, and, and, and dealing. And I think that's what we're seeing, sadly, with Jacob. Uh, but the scary reality, again, is, is, man, we do this all the time with God. We do this all the time with God. Um, like, for example, if you ever had this thought, God, I had a quiet time this morning. Now you're going to give me a flat tire? Really? That's how that works? Right? Like the audacity that we have of like we have our devotions and then all of a sudden like God owes us a perfect day is absurd. God, I held up my end of the deal, man. I did my duty. Now get to work. I built half of this staircase. Now you got to build the rest. That's how it works. This is a contract on the covenant. I do my part. You do your part. If you don't do your part, you're not going to be my God. Because what's up with that? No, that's not how it works. And, and my friends, that's not how it works in God's economy. And I think the lesson that we glean, the lesson that we glean here, my friends, and it's a beautiful promise, is this, is that there is no if when it comes to God's steadfast love and faithfulness for his people. You better believe that. There's no, it's not a conditional statement. You can take God at his word. His promises uh, are true. There is no if when it comes to God's steadfast love and faithfulness to his 
to his people. But the good news of this passage is we see God's grace for Jacob, right? This dream and the explanation of that image that God gave him was all grace. It wasn't uh, earned by Jacob. And what we see is that Jacob's a work in progress. We see Jacob making some, some good moves here. And we see that God is working in his heart because, I mean, let's be honest, we're, we're all a work in progress, right? We're all in, in daily need of, of divine grace. So I'm going to conclude with this. Um, if you know me, uh, you know that I, I'm a huge hockey fan, but specifically a Washington Capitals fan, except around the May time frame because they always uh, lose in the second round to the Penguins, uh, which is very depressing. Um, but I, I mean, I just, I love, love hockey. I love the sport. Uh, I love watching it. And I never make it to Caps games because it's like super expensive. Um, but uh, a couple months ago, I got a phone call from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Peter McCarthy. And uh, he, he, uh, he scored some sweet, I mean, sweet tickets to a Caps game. And I think the face value was like over $1,000 on these tickets. Uh, he didn't pay for those, uh, to, <laughs> but he, 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 he got the hookup. It was awesome. And he, he chose to call me, and, and he's like, hey, do you want to go to the game tonight? I got box seats fully furnished uh, uh, with all the food you could ever want, all the drinks you could ever want, great, great seats for, for the event. And I was like, uh, 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 yes, I think I'm free. And I wasn't. Um, <laughs> I had, no, no, I was. I, was, I just had to uh, talk to uh, my, my pastor and, and say, hey, I can't make it to the meeting tonight uh, that we had. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. I go, and this is... Uh, this is one of the first times, um, uh, this is the first, the, the first and only game I went to this season, um, and it was just awesome. I had full access to everything in that box suite. Uh, I had like 15 seltzer waters. I don't know if you love seltzer water. I love seltzer water, so it was like throwing those back. I think I like stuffed some in my pockets on the way out. Um, a ton of popcorn, hot dogs, chicken tenders, the entire game, and the seats were amazing, and I made sure, because I know like a lot of people in the Washington area aren't huge Caps fans, but I made sure in the box, like there's only two rows, but I made sure like, hey, like we're in the front row, bro. Like uh, I'm locking this down, you know, and like I, I need the best seat in, in the house. And it was just an awesome, awesome experience, man. It was just, it was awesome. Like I, I probably should like get Peter coffee or something for that. Uh, but, uh, um, but here's the deal. The reason I share that is this, is uh, the reason I had access to that game, to that event, uh, was not because of my hard work was not because uh, you know I paid for those tickets with my own money or I was awesome or whatever. No, the reason I had full access to that event is because I knew a guy. It's because of who I knew. See, who I knew got me access, full access to that event. And in John 1, 51, what Jesus Christ says is if you want access to God, you want to know God, you want to have intimacy with God, you want to find uh, uh, the purpose for why you are, are here on this earth, it comes through knowing me, Jesus Christ. And this is what he says in John 1, 51. And Jesus here in this passage kind of calls dibs on Jacob's ladder. And he's like, yeah, that, that, that's me. Um, and, and this is what he says in John 1, 51. This is the calling of Philip and Nathaniel. And this is what he says to Nathaniel. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's shockingly similar to uh, the, the language in Genesis 28. Jesus Christ knew exactly what he was doing. What Jesus Christ was saying there is, listen, Philip and Nathaniel, it's not based on your performance. 
that, that you have heaven opened up and access to God. It's because of me. Literally, I am the stairway. I am the gateway, the access to God. You can get, uh, if you are in Christ, you put your trust in him, you cannot uh, get any more uh, closer to you or farther away from his, his abundant love and grace for you. And so my hope for us this morning uh, is that we would stop looking inward and trusting in our own performance, but we would shift our focus to the performance of another, to Jesus Christ, who God in the flesh didn't demand, stay up there in a lofty place and, and demand that we ascend up to him. No, him and his grace and his humility descended to us in grace, walked among us, lived the life that we were never able to live, uh, built the staircase we could never build and paid, uh, paid uh, for our sins that we, we could never never pay on the cross. And on the cross, he, he said this. He said, it is finished. The veil was torn through Christ, through who you know, your full access to God, full access to life and life everlasting. My friends, would you stop trusting yourself? Would you trust in Christ today? And uh, with that said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, that you're not a God who demands that we come up to you through our efforts and our labors. Lord, no, you are a God who's humble uh, and gracious, and you're a God full of abundant love and mercy, that you would descend to us in your grace and do um, what only you could do for us. And, 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 and Jesus, we thank you for the work you did. God, that you are the access that we have to knowing God. And so, Father, um, we come before you grateful, Lord, and I just pray and ask right now, Holy Spirit, in this moment, that you would comfort those who find their, themselves in a similar situation as Jacob, they're, they're, they're maybe they're in the middle of running from past sins, past mistakes, past regrets, Lord. And would you show up big in their life? Would you comfort them and let them know the promise that you gave to Jacob is true for them, that, that Lord, that you are with them, that you see them, you see what they're going through, and you know them, and, and you love them. Father, I pray for people that don't know you yet, that today would be the day that you open their eyes to the beautiful stairway that you have built to a new life with you, an abundant life with you that their labors for perfection and performance are over and they can finally rest in your performance, Jesus. So we pray all this in your name. Amen.